Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Okay, so um, anybody follow The Rock on Instagram? Yeah, it's like Dwayne Johnson, right? The Rock on Instagram. Um, Like half the world follows him on Instagram. But years ago, he would post these clips on his Instagram of him working out in a public gym. And in the middle of one of his sets, he would just shout, focus. (laughs) Did anybody see that? And it was hilarious because the whole gym would just go quiet because, I mean, come on, it's The Rock. And he's like calling everybody to focus. And it was kind of a joke for him. And then he would do that thing, you know, that he used to do in the WWF. And he'd be like, y'all didn't know I could do my eyebrow like the rock. But, and then he would like, you know, he was cutting up and, and, uh, I was reminded of that, uh, those videos because I felt like, like as a pastor, it was important for me to get up today and be like, focus. (laughs) You know, just to, to, to like really point in the direction that I feel like that the Lord is leading Allison and I uh, to shepherd you guys in. So that, that's really the point of our talk today. Um, I think about a year and a half ago, um, one of our apostolic um, team members, which is like our overseers, our apostolic council, um, dear friend of mine, his name is uh, Teo Hayashi, and uh, Will knows him quite well. And he preached here not that long ago. Uh, But when we were over at 900 Gallatin, he gave us this word um, called Chasing Mavericks. Does anybody remember that? Anybody seen that movie, Chasing Mavericks? It's about big wave surfers. I have the picture that he showed us. Uh, This is the photo. Um, So if you're not catching the illustration, that's us. That's the move of the spirit. (laughs) Um. And he, he was given this word uh, that he had given uh, to a friend of mine named Sean Gaby um, in, in uh, Ottawa, Canada. He pastors a church called Kingdom Culture. I'm actually a part of his board. And um, interestingly enough, part of his board, surfboard. Okay, we're just... Um, it's getting swirly already. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> um, so T was up there, Teofilo was up there, and, and he was preaching, and before the message, he felt like God gave him some prophetic insight, and he said, hey, Sean, the Lord told me to tell you, you're not bored. You're just on your board, waiting for the next wave. And uh, so he gave this word on chasing Mavericks, and then he gave the same word, or a similar word to us here in Nashville, and I felt like, man, the conference was a bit like that. I mean, like half of the worship sets were led by people from their backs. Like it was like holy chaos. It was like glorious pandemonium in this room at certain times. Like we're a charismatic church and there were moments it was too charismatic for me. I was like, are we out of control, Lord? I can't tell yet, you know, but like I'm totally cool with confronting that line because I want to see how much God might pour into this room. Like I really want to discover what God might do with a family that says, Lord, we surrender to you, 
We surrender to the wave of your spirit. We surrender to your word. We surrender to whatever it is that you want to do through us. We say yes and amen. It might look weird. It might be scary. But we say yes and amen, God, because we long to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. And we're not going to miss it just because it's a little bit strange and uncomfortable in certain moments, right? And, and so, like, you know, I'm, I'm processing through, like, the last weekend, and I'm remembering the word that Teofilo gave us. And I'm like, okay, last weekend, the weekend before, presence people was a wave of glory. It was a wave of presence. It was a wave of encounter. It was a wave of healing. It was a wave of deliverance. Like, there's all these amazing things. But now that the wave has crested and gone in, here we are sitting on our board. And I think there could be a temptation for us to become bored with doing the simple, practical things that we do as a family, as a local church, to continue to love him and to continue to love them, meaning our city and our people, our community. And I think it's possible that we could buy into this idea that unless there is like this extreme, uh, super spiritual, super emotional experience we have each and every time we come into this room that somehow, some way we're doing it wrong or we're disobedient. And I want you guys to know, like we're right in the middle of what God has for us as a house. Like, I just want you to know that. So I'm, I'm saying that preemptively. I'm telling you that kind of as a, uh, as a, as a, as a, a forewarning, I think, I mean, warning's not the best choice of words, but I just want you to know that I sense and Allison and I, as we're praying together and talking, like, man, we're right in the middle of what God has for this house. And I am so excited about what he's doing in this season. And so in the midst of this big wave and this big experience, here's what I'm feeling that we need to do. We need to drive down our root system deep. We need to build big people in God. We need to get incredibly biblical. We need to get tight on our doctrine. We need to know what the Bible has to say about church and the way that thing is supposed to function. Because when the next wave comes, if you're not anchored to that board, man, we might topple over. And I do not want to lose a single member of this family in the midst of the move of God. I, I, that's, 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 that's my heart. And I don't know if any of you have ever been a part of a revival before or a move of God before or something like spectacular that the spirit's pouring out. But like when a wave crashes, like it's fun, but also somewhat dangerous. Have you guys, have you guys noticed that? So this is just me kind of like prophetically processing with you. And so I, I, I feel like as your pastor, like to serve the body well, I think what we need to do is we just need to like draw, like drive down deep our root system. So that starts with the Bible. Starts with prayer. Starts with Jesus. Right? It, it, it sounds elementary, but it's not. It's fundamental. Listen, we never outgrow our need to repent. We never outgrow our need to study God's word. We never outgrow our need for devotionals. Right? So I was feeling drawn to a pastoral epistle from the Apostle Paul. And uh, that is 1 Corinthians. And I couldn't decide what passage to preach from, so I just decided to read the entirety of the chapter 1 Corinthians 1. <laughs> so you're going to get so much word today. Um, but here, here's the title of the message. 
how to destroy a move of God. That's the message. You guys ready for this? So I, I want to point out a few things here about the Apostle Paul. Um, the Apostle Paul is obviously an apostle, but he's also a church planner. So that means he's a pastor too. And even more so, he's a father. He's a spiritual father. And so just like any good dad, the Apostle Paul's doing something so beautifully for the church at Corinth. He's actually pointing to things that are not good. He's saying, hey, dude, this, no bueno. Let me point you to the things that are God and the things that are good. And let me create a contrast between the two so that you will be empowered by truth to make a healthy choice. That's what good leaders do. That's what I'm, that's like my goal. All right. I want to do that as best I can today. Okay. So first Corinthians chapter one, you don't have to stand. You don't have to read out loud because I'm going to do a lot of reading here. But uh, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sothenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who live in every place, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way, everybody say every way, you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift. Everybody say, I I am not not lacking in any gift. I don't know who that just encouraged, but somebody just got set free in here. In Jesus' name, you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right. I think that's a good place to pause and pray, and then we'll let Kelly go debrief with the worship team before the next service. Lord, I just want to say thank you so much for being so kind to us. Um, You're always for us, God. Even when we're not for you, God, you're for us. And Lord, I just ask that by your grace, you would empower us to see you and to hear your voice with great clarity. God, I pray that you would awaken every dead, dormant, sleeping thing within us spiritually, God. I pray that you would shake everything that can be shaken. I pray that you would move us, that you would connect us with one another in an unprecedented way so that we could carry all of the glory that you would have for this church. Lord, we love what you're building. We know you're building local churches all over the world. And we bless your church, God. We bless the work of the hands of Jesus. We bless the work of the hands of Jesus. And we say, thank you, Lord, for building the house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen and amen. So how many of you guys have read the book of Corinthians before? Um, The Corinthian church was a church in the midst of a move of God. Like in the early church, 
if you were looking for revival, of course you could turn to Acts 2. But like if you were looking for charismatic renewal revival, I'm talking like crazy manifestations, like it got weird, the church at Corinth. Like legit, like if you go through and you read, and I'll give you some homework if you like it, like go and read 1 Corinthians. Like this was a church that was experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Like you're talking spiritual gifts, you're talking like tongues and the interpretation of tongues, you're talking miracles, you're talking gifts of wisdom, you're talking words of knowledge, you're talking healings. You're talking people getting raised from the dead, lepers being cleansed, churches being planted. I mean, you're talking about revival, right? And this church, man, they were like getting so many people saved, and yet they weren't being good stewards of God's house. And I don't know if you recognize this, but it's possible for God to be saving people while we are poor stewards of his house. It's totally possible. And so Paul, as an apostle and the church planter of the church at Corinth, is writing a letter and he's saying, listen, I praise God for all of the amazing things that are going on in the house. Like, it's epic. It's awesome. Yes, you should be excited and encouraged. But hey, I want to address some of the character issues that I'm seeing in the church because it's leading to some funky fruit like Pastor Michael Miller talked about two Sunday mornings ago. He called it wonky fruit, right? And like this church was a church that was oftentimes out of control. I mean, you couldn't even like get the church together for a normal service. Like everybody was trying to preach and prophesy and grab the mic and go nuts and run over the pews and like people's like sleeping with people they're not married to and people are getting drunk off the communion wine and like, I mean, it's pandemonium. (laughs) So Paul's like, man, we're going to have to fix this stuff. You guys go, (laughs) you know, we're going to have to bring a little alignment, but despite the fact that there's sin in the camp, I mean, let's be honest, right? Like people are being sexually immoral in the midst of leadership positions in the church. You know, it's crazy because like legit, like the church is still the church, right? Like we're still seeing failures and sin and bad character in the midst of God using broken, fragile people just like me to build his own house, right? And so Paul's like, hey man, we're going to strengthen this. But before he like, you know, lets the hammer drop, he builds them up and he actually gives them 12 points of encouragement. You don't have to write all these down because they're not like long points, but I just wanted to show them to you. Like he says, to the church of God, this church that's making all of these mistakes, he says, you are the church of God. He says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Hold on, wait just a second. Didn't we just point out that there were leaders in sexual sin? He said, listen, this is who you are. This is your identity. You've been sanctified, not by your own strength, but you've been sanctified by the grace of the Lord Jesus. You are called to be saints. Everybody say, I'm a saint. They have received grace, verse 4. He said, man, you've received abundant grace. Uh, Verse 4, again, the fifth point here, in every single aspect of your lives. Number 6, you're enriched in all speech. You've been enriched in all knowledge. Number 8, their testimony is real. Like he confirmed that they've been confirmed in Christ Jesus, right? He said, you're not lacking in any gift. That is so good and so encouraging. They're sustained in Jesus Christ. They'll be guiltless. And number 12, they have been called by God into fellowship with one another. 
I mean, like, Paul does a really, really good job of building them up. Because he's like, hey, look, you got all of these good things happening. But just like we talked about Martha a couple of weeks ago, you can be doing all kinds of good things and still be distracted. You can be a really great person and still be distracted. You can be an actual disciple and still be distracted. Right? So Paul goes on. Let me go to the next part. And in my Bible, I have an ESV. It says divisions in the church. So like, I mean, he comes at it strong right from the, he's like, and I encourage you in the name of the Lord. And now, now let's get to business, man. You're awesome. That's right. Now that we've established, you're amazing. Coming at you, bro. You know. So verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Everybody say agree. And that there be no divisions among you. Everybody say no divisions. But that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me, my Chloe's people, that there is quarreling. Everybody say fighting. Among you, my brothers, and what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, that's Peter, or I follow Christ. Verse 13, great question, is Christ divided? We know the answer to that question is absolutely not, right? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Absolutely not. Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Absolutely not. I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. I mean, it's like... Is Paul, you know, I don't know who Paul's like translator was, but every now and then he'd be like, bro, is that important? But okay. Um, Paul's on a, Paul's on a roll. So you're like, you dare not interrupt him. Right. So he's like, Hey, verse 17 for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Oh, this, this, as a preacher, this excites me, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. My God. This, this is so good. And we've, we're, we've not even got to like the whole chapter. And I'm going to do my best to read the whole chapter before I get you out of here. But Paul points out what destroys a move of God in these verses of scripture. Here's point one. This is what destroys a move of God. Unchecked disagreements. Look at verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Here's the first thing that can destroy us as we pursue him to host his spirit in his house. Number one is unchecked disagreements. Romans chapter 15 verse 6 says, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody remember this? One heart. One soul. Hey. I got my Denver Broncos shirt on. That right there should happen in a huddle. One heart. One soul. Now, I think we all know that disagreements within themselves are not bad things. It's okay to disagree. I mean, there's no way we're always going to agree on everything. Disagreements are not bad by themselves. But when disagreements become disconnections, 
We're on our way to broken relationships. And we cannot do revival at the expense of doing family. Our family, our moms and dads, our sons and daughters, they are not acceptable casualties of war in pursuit of a move of God. Like, we don't want to leave anybody behind, guys. We want everybody to experience God. We want everybody to experience salvation and grace and gifts and goodness and blessing. We want everybody. Therefore, we cannot tolerate unchecked disagreements. Everybody that belongs to this family is a treasure. No one is expendable. Amen? So unchecked disagreements can actually thwart a move of God. We have to remember we're not just a ministry. We are a So unchecked disagreements can become disconnections. And then we have a fragmented family. And unchecked disagreements lead to what Paul says is point two, what destroys a move of God. And point two is this, contentious divisions. So let's finish verse 10. He says, and, and that there be no divisions among you. Now get this. What, is, what does he point to? He said, don't be divided. But you remember how I said he's being a good teacher and he points to what's wrong so that he can contrast it with what's right. So he said, hey, don't be divided. On the other hand, let's read the latter part of verse 10. It says, but that you be united. How? In the same mind and in the same judgment. All right? So that's, that's interesting, isn't it? What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. I studied it. The same mind is, is how we think. And that doesn't mean we want to teach you what to think, but we want to encourage you on how to think biblically. We have no desire to control you. Our whole heart is to encourage you to think biblically and to think in unity with your brothers and your sisters so that no divisions disrupt what God wants to pour out on this house. So we want to think in a, in a similar way. It doesn't mean that we're always going to think the exact same, but that we rally around the thoughts of the Lord for the house. The second thing is that we'd have the same judgment. What, is this, what does judgment mean? Uh, the judgment means uh, the convictions that we have and the conclusions that we come to. Wow. So these are some things we have to agree on, church. And I know that sometimes that's really uncomfortable. Because sometimes, like the convictions that I have, you're going to be like, bro, I am so far away from that conviction. But, you know, God did put you in my life. So I'll roll with you. Listen, agreement is not always required, but alignment is if we are going to steward the move of God that he has for our house. And listen, I'm very reluctant to talk like that. I am. I'll be honest with you guys, because we all know what's going on in culture right now. And we all know the mistakes that have been made, not simply by church organizations, but by people, particularly dudes who stand in pulpits who are abusive to the people in the family in the name of fame. We wholeheartedly condemn that crap. 
And we want to say, listen, we want to be a biblical people, all right? We want to be a biblical people. And so if we can't find it there, we don't want to do it out here. But Paul says in order to avoid divisions in the church, we need to pursue in a healthy biblical way, having the same mind, having the same judgment, having the same conclusions, having the same convictions to the best of our ability and according to the grace that is on our lives. Amen? That's what the Bible says. And this is why our foundations matter so much, because where we start determines where we're going to end up, which is why it's important for us to talk about things like here are our core values. We are holy. We are humble. We are hungry. We are honorable. And we are healthy. Right? That's why it's important that we talk about our doctrine, that we talk about our statement of faith. I mean, I've just gone through the last year with Dr. Frank Damasio putting together 20 points that culminate our statement of faith, you know, and, and that's important. Like when we first launched the church, Daniel Kendrick can tell you, Phillips here, he can tell you, I didn't care anything about a doctrinal statement. I was like, can we just get some warm bodies in the seats, please? But now I'm realizing, man, these things are important because the foundations that we build will determine where people land in the future. And we got to put the right recipe in them. If the meal's going to come out tasting good. You know what I'm saying? So Amos 3 and 3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Right? It's okay for us to discuss direction, but we cannot divide over it. We can't divide over where we're headed. Right? And so Allison and I, like our job is to serve you guys well by declaring we're going here. We're going in the direction of him. According to the grace we have, with open hands and a humble heart, like, Lord, we're following you. Is it still okay that I'm like processing? Okay, number number three, what destroys a move of God? Fights over who to follow. Right? Fights over who to follow, right? You look at verse uh, 11 and 12. It says, there's quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Peter. I follow Christ. Listen, PhD Paul, he evangelized the Gentiles, right? Very smart. He had the equivalent of three PhDs. And he's evangelizing people who have not studied Judaism. And then, you know, then you have... Then you have Peter, who's an unlearned fisherman, and then he's educating the learned Jews. Look at the power of God, right? And then you have, um, then you have Apollos, which a lot of people are not really sure who that guy is, but I studied him up a little bit, and he was a famous itinerant teacher. He was brilliant. So he would travel around to different, um, you know, churches, and he would teach the word of God. He would talk about what God was doing. And what was happening is that people were dividing over who they followed. And I don't know if you've noticed this because we read this and we're like, those people are so dumb, right? C.S. Lewis called it chronological snobbery, that we would look back and read the Bible and think that we were better people than them. But the truth is we depend upon the same grace that they did, right? And even though we might not frame it up that way. We're still doing the same mess today, guys. We're dividing over the leaders that we follow or the church we once went to or the school we graduated from. Uh, oh, 
Oh, my bad. It just got real, right? Because how many times have you heard, you know, people, well, I go to such and such church and so and so celebrity goes there. Listen, who we choose to follow can become an unhealthy component of our identity. Church, when our allegiances to human leaders say more about us than our covenant with our heavenly father, we've gone astray. Well, my pastor is so-and-so, and he has a billion followers on TikTok. <laughs> it's, this is too real. Well, I went to such and such school of ministry. Therefore, I am way more qualified than you are. Um, well, my alma mater is the University of Most Impressive Christians. I went to MIC. You've heard of MIT? I went to MIC. Most Impressive Christians. I know way more than all of these people. I'm the best. I know what I'm talking about. You don't. That type of stuff destroys the move of God. Well, I personally know so-and-so conference speaker. He's my BFF. We text all the time. That means I'm more qualified. I follow this person. I follow this person. Why well, I go to this church? Why well, I'm a part of this ministry? Like when we start like dividing ourselves among ourselves on the basis of our ministerial allegiances, we're going astray because the allegiances that we have with biblically qualified human leaders, listen, Jesus gave us leaders as gifts. Read Ephesians chapter four. Like it's good for us to be submitted to leaders that Jesus has positioned us to, you know, be a part of their life. Can I get two good amens, right? That's what the Bible says. But our, our allegiances to human leaders cannot, you know, go beyond our covenant with our heavenly father. Like at the end of the day, we're all just as dependent on him as everybody else. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter who laid hands on you. It doesn't matter who your spiritual mama is. Like God is our heavenly father. And like, unless we have him, we have nothing. You still good? Yeah. That's why he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? No. Were you baptized then in the name of Paul? No. We don't baptize anybody here into my name or Allison's name or Sarah's name or the person who baptized you when Seth baptized you. Don't, I baptize your name of Seth. No, because he knows, I know, we all know. Listen, none of us have any authority to save you. None. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. And this brings me to four, point four, how to destroy a move of God. You play dress up with the gospel. Yeah, this is the most intense one. And I'm, I, I didn't mean for this to be a mean message. Right, Will? I'm, it's not like a, it's not, it's not meant. I'm just wanting to read the Bible. Okay. Uh, here's how to destroy a move of God. You play dress up with the gospel. Verse 17 and 18 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to the perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, let me say before I get into this a little bit deeper here and get myself into some trouble. Um, I heard a brilliant, amazing, awesome leader 
Uh, he's a pastor, and he said one time, he said, we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus, and I wholeheartedly agree, all right? Like, I'm all for the church doing everything that we can do to get people in here, to love them, to him. We'll put um, smoothie machines that say margaritas on them on the bridge, and... If that reaches people for Jesus, listen, we had no idea, guys, that they were going to be margarita machines. We didn't know. They said on the, you need a drink.com. I'm like, that's also prophetic. Here we are, you know? So look, I am, I am all for that. I believe the church I see, and you guys need to hear that. The church I see is appealing. It's attractional. It's excellent. It's clean. It smells good. Hey, amen. Right. Um, especially here in Nashville, the church we want to build is warm. It's welcoming. It's family friendly. We want your kids to thrive here in the midst of us experiencing revival. We don't want your kids downstairs. You're like, this is so boring. I hate church. Like my goal is for the people who don't want to come back because they're weirded out by what God does up here for them to get in the minivan to go home. And their kids are like, you got to take me back to that church. I think that would be cool. So like all of like we're going to do all kinds of great things to serve you. We are. And we're already planning for 2022. And I want you guys to know, like the calendar we're putting together, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for you to experience it. You're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. The family's going to love it. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so pumped. But in the midst of us doing all of this stuff, when it comes to the preaching of the word of God, we must simply preach the gospel. We must simply preach the gospel. We must simply say what the Bible says, right? We cannot candy coat it, water it down, or dress it up so that it becomes a work of man and no longer a work of God. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's like, look, I'm not coming to you with a like prolific keynote presentation. I am coming to you with the message of the cross, which is folly and foolishness to the world and to the human mind and to people who want to see signs and to people who are seeking human wisdom. It is foolishness. It's lunacy. It's absurdity to the people who are, are have yet to have a regenerated mind because they're looking at the message of a man that was crucified on a cross to thousand years ago and you're like and they're like you're ridiculous for believing that that can save your soul and yet this is the very power of God not to try to dress it up put lipstick on it make it more appealing you know candy coat it sugar coat it do all the stuff that we do so that somebody might believe just a little bit of it no 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 it's like hey look just say what God says just read what the Bible says just Talk about what Jesus has done. Just get back to the cross. Listen, all of us are so obsessed with more revelation, more revelation, more revelation. Like in our, like, I'm not saying legacy particularly, but like in the charismatic, like vibe, right? Like more revelation. Yeah. It's like, so sometimes you don't need more revelation. You just need to be reminded. Look, the cross is the power of God. The cross is what you need to get back to. Jesus is what you need to get back to. Pick up the Bible. You don't need another prophetic word. Like you already have a word. It's right here. This is what makes strong Christians. Look, look, I am not impressed by like people like have prophetic words for me. 
this is a personal note now, and maybe I shouldn't have said that, but like, well, you know, when somebody walks up to me and they're like, that doesn't say anything to me about your spiritual maturity. Nada. And if you do that, that's fine. I don't care. I'm not offended by it. But like, you know what impresses me? Like people who are consistent in the word of God, people who are stable in the place of prayer, people who worship every single day, despite their circumstances, people who come to church faithfully, people who bring their kids to church. Why am I telling you this? Because I've been doing this now. I've been preaching full time for 16 years. And you know how many ministry school students I've seen fall off in the midst of a wave? You know how many like prophetic people, conference people, you know how many preachers, you know how many ministers, prayer line leaders, you know how many people I've watched like experience waves and like, I don't know what they're doing today. Let's not do that. Sorry, I told you this was like so normal. This is like a very normal so God is able to manage his own reputation. You guys know that? He's able to manage his own reputation. Let me read you a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, the gospel is a caged lion. It does not need to be defended. It just needs to be let out of its cage. All right, I gotta be done. But here's what I want to say uh, at the end. Church, let's remember who we are. Let's remember who God has called us to be. Let me read verse 26 through 28 and we'll close. He says this, for consider your calling. Look at your neighbor and say, consider your calling. Consider your calling, brothers. Now here's like an underhanded compliment. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. But this is where you're like, yep. I know where I was before Jesus found me. He goes on, he says, not many were powerful. Yep. Not many were of noble birth. Yep. I'm from a town called Sacramento, Kentucky. Population 600. We just drove through there on Wednesday. Can any good thing come out of Sacramento? (laughs) Verse 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And you thought you needed to feel qualified. You thought you needed to feel powerful before God could move through you. No, no, no. God says, I'm gonna take the weak things of this world I'm going to take the foolish things of this world. Remember how many times in this chapter the word folly and foolishness is used. Because that's the way the unregenerated mind sees everything that Jesus does. It's folly. It's foolish. Verse 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. The things that we think are something, God says, I'll bring them 
to nothing. Church. Focus. Look, God has not called any of us on the basis of our own greatness. God has called us on the basis of his grace. That's it. Lowly, small, doesn't matter. This is what God loves to work with. It's the little things God will take and break and bless and multiply. That's what he did with the bread and the fish, right? And I think that's what he might do with a little congregation. We're not as little as we used to be. But with like a little congregation in the neighborhood of East Nashville. That's what I'm believing for. And that's what I think will happen. So long as we stay holy, stay humble, stay hungry, stay honorable, and stay healthy. I really do believe that it's God's word over this place that it would be from Nashville to the nations. And I think we're going to see the nations come here. I think we're going to see the nations. You know, we're going to send people to the nations and we're going to witness something truly special, not only in our lives, but also in this season that we'll recollect on when we're old. And I hope I can have all of you over for like, I don't know, what do old people drink? Tea? Like, come to the rocking chair on my porch and we can talk about the great things that God did and that church in East Nashville. I'm, I'm down for that. How about you guys? All right, so let's pray. Let's stand up and pray. I want to pray into a couple of things. I'll get you out of here. Um, I want to pray into this, no disagreements, no unhealthy disagreements, no divisions, no fights over who to follow. I want to pray also that we focus. I want to pray that we stay pure. I want to pray that we stay together. And lastly, I want to pray that we keep it all about Jesus. Would you guys agree with me on that? Let's just spend 60 seconds praying into that. First, let's just pray. Lord, we pray into no disagreements, no divisions, and no fights over who to follow. Uh, Lord, we just declare that there is no disagreement that is worthy of disconnection with the family you've put us with. Uh, Lord, we ask to minimize um, unhealthy uh, disagreements, destroy um, unsanctified disagreements, Lord. Healthy disagreements, Lord, help us by grace to navigate these things well so that we can stay connected into feeling differently about things. Lord, um, we declare no divisions in this body. We declare no demonic, almost entitled that one, demonic divisions. And that's what it is, honestly. We declare no demonic divisions. The devil will have no place. He'll have no authority in our relationships and our connections. Uh, What God has joined together, let no man separate, the Bible says. And so we declare we will stay connected. No fights over who to follow in Jesus' name. We don't care who... Who's the flavor of the month? Jesus is consistently, always, and forever the only thing that we choose to be preoccupied by. We'll not be over-impressed with platforms or Instagram followings or none of that stuff. We're going to be impressed by Jesus. Uh, Lord, we declare that we are focused. We declare that we will stay pure. We declare that we will stay together. And we declare to keep it all about Jesus. In the wonderful, powerful, beautiful, awesome name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. 
This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.